Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 70, the big 7-0 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Episode 4 guest, Kristen Callahan returns, and in some ways this is exactly what I want the show to be. It's two friends having a conversation, trying to process thoughts, as opposed to trying to pretend that we have all the answers, and, and just hashing some stuff out together. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I hope it doesn't come across as too dark, but uh, it, it was a good one. Uh, before you get to hear Kristen and I, let's talk about some workshops going on in the world of Fury. Uh, thank you to everybody that came out to Original Strength the other day at MFF Bowery. We sold that one out. Awesome. Uh, next up, DVRT Workshop. That's the four-hour workshop. I've got two coming up. January 26th at Milestone Fitness outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Please come and check that one out. There's still spots there. And then February 3rd, uh, Brooklyn gets DVRT strong with the DVRT Workshop at the Brooklyn Athletic Club in Greenpoint. Uh, that one's from 10 to 2. Come and join me there. The RKC in March, sold out. Really excited about that one. Um, working on some stuff for spring, summer, but fall, it gets pretty busy. Uh, original Strength, September 7th at ACWA outside of Tulsa. And then the following day is going to be another DVRT workshop over there. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend in September, getting to see Dustin Ripito, getting to meet Iron in person, getting to see Dustin's wife, Kenzie. Um, really look, looking forward to that trip, just to get to see some people I haven't seen in a while. Uh, and then I'm really excited to say that the RKC is coming back to Catalyst Sport in New York for 1026 and the 27th. So that's the week after my birthday. So if you missed out on this one in March, uh, I unfortunately had to turn someone away. Uh, look, you get another option. You get some more training time to help take the stress off of it. Come join us at Catalyst on October 26th, 27th. And as always, other stuff in the works. And if you want to take a course or a class or uh, do some personal training with yours truly, go over to CoachFury.com. You'll find out all the info of what courses are going on, what classes, training rates, episodes of this podcast, any other blogs that I do. And uh, thank you for listening. 70 and 30 until we hit the big 100. That's crazy. But let's get to Kristen Callahan and I. We'll see how long it lasts. Anyway. The podcast? No, no, no. My, like, yeah. Okay. My, my fitness purge, I guess, is the right word. All right. So it's not just Facebook. It's a little bit of a fitness purge. Yeah. Well, it is Facebook, too. And Instagram, like, I, ha I like, went cold turkey on them. So. Now, what drove you to do that? Because I know I've just... Yeah, basically, Chris Cooper and I have had two podcast episodes where that was a large part of it, uh, a lot, large part of the discussion. And I know I'm currently in a moderate purge social media. And uh, I know Casey just posted that he's not purging social media, but he's also trying to separate his uh, personal account from his business account, like I am. Uh, what, what, what's inspired you to make the move? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, so I know you saw that post I put up over the, what was that, the fall about like dealing with 
like I've had a really bad like um, depressive episode over the summer and fall and working on that like um, I guess it kind of started that's a part of it and looking at social media is actually proven to make those kinds of things worse because everybody proven it's intended to it yeah and um then when i was home for the holidays oh i just stopped looking at it and was realizing like how much better i felt i was getting more connected with other people's lives through instagram and facebook than my own and yeah that's kind of where it came from and then i've been in this weird fitness <laughs> uh space too um but also just kind of realizing you know with the therapy and the you know depression and whatever it's just like no matter what all of the stuff we've learned like i've still been taking pretty shit care of myself yeah i'd say you're you're not alone on that and and one i think part of the reasons for me with the purge is I found it to be a stressor and a distraction, but I think mm -hmm. I got it more, I think I would have enjoyed it more as a, as a distraction, but I think it became a stressor. Like it's a stress item almost of, you know, uh, how does this post do? How did this episode of the podcast do? How did this video, how's, you know, has anybody seen this workshop I just posted up about? And, uh, I started leveraging that against like my actual training career and, yeah. and just in terms of like, you know, how I, you know, I just taught eight courses in six weeks in Asia, you know, like that should be enough to not give a shit if somebody likes the group photo or not, you know, or even people did, you know, but it's just like, it should that matter to me or not? Nah, it shouldn't at all. The fact that I got to that point, and then the fact of having like, well, now what do I follow that up with, you know, to, pe to keep Coach Fury looking relevant? It's like, you know what? Like, how about I train people? Because that's what I want to do. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's all I'm going to do. And I had this weird moment yesterday and it happened today too. And I, I kind of love your approach to what you're, and, and thank you for being open about the depression side of it. Because I don't think that's like what a lot of people are, are aware that it, it, it is uh the book that I read that I talked about with Chris, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media, uh, calls it all the bummer machine mm. because it's free, but your memberships, your info is being sold to advertisers so that they can purchase based on your demographic, your algorithm, for lack of a better phrase. So if you're feeling depressed, they're going to send you shit about being depressed. Oh, yeah. If you're uh, angry about gun control, they're going to send you shit about gun control. If you're pro-gun, they're going to send you that. So they're targeting you based on an algorithm aimed at you, which could be very different than what I'm seeing. And then you and I on this social media platform are supposed to have a, a very similar, uh, you know, even minded coming from the same place conversation, but our feed other than our, probably like, you know, our trainer buddies is completely targeted to you or to me. And then our trainer buddies like, uh, I'm part of this, everybody. Like, I don't want you to be bummed out by, I say this, but it's like, we're all posting basically the same thing. And mm. so I had this moment going back yesterday where I had two sessions and both people did really well. And I didn't take a fucking photo and I didn't shoot a video because you know what? Like 
that saying, if it didn't happen on Instagram or on Facebook, it didn't happen. It's like, no, I'm a coach and I coached people to success. I shouldn't have to like put that on to prove somebody. Now, if it was truly celebrating their success, that's a different thing. But I also think a lot of the times we're not celebrating their success. We're celebrating our accomplishment with their result. Mm. And I'm really rethinking all of that dramatically too. Um, which puts me in a potentially weird position with my host, you know, not, not just my host, like the, the, the people I teach for, because that's not the best, but I guess it's letting me be more targeted. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, cause it also, like we've talked about before, like people, like back in the day, it was like the Yelp review, right? That's how people sussed you out. And now it's like, well, what's your social media? And if you're not participating, then how do they find out about you? But um, I don't know. I still think no matter what, like word of mouth and people, other people's recommendations are still more highly valued. And kind of like what you're saying, it is almost like, yeah, are you doing it for that client? Are you doing it for you? Yeah. And then there's all just the workout videos that it's like, you know, Progress is great to see, but I don't want to see every session. I don't want to see a clip of everybody. And part of me still, and I, I, I always feel this, like when I take photos of a class in progress here, because, you know, I'm trying to build up like locally, you know, my class program here. And every now and then people are crushing it, forms good. So I'll take a few quick photos. And, you know, there's a moment in me where I'm like, my eyes are off the class, even though they're mm -hmm. on the class, my mm -hmm. eyes are off the class and I'm distracted. And every time I see that, I'm like, not just for myself, but from someone else. I'm like, you know, that's a moment that you were thinking about the camera angle and is it lit and the, you know, versus just being in the moment with yeah. the session. And I just want to find that flow more and more of being in the moment in those sessions. Agreed. I mean, I think it's being present in our daily lives is so much more, it's just better for us. Like, who cares if there's not a picture of it? It's off. It's, you know, it, we don't remember that anyway. We remember the emotions and the feelings. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, that's the part of it. You know, it's hard to remember that people aren't training with us or taking a class with us so that they can be posted on social media, showing their results. They're training with us to get better for themselves. And then we take that and we make that a public display to some degree. And yeah. Again, I'm not saying you can't celebrate with people like that's like totally fine. I'm not trying to be a bummer, but the whole concept of it, you don't go to the barber shop and every person that's gotten a haircut has a, like a fucking PR photo of like this haircut. Now, people <laughs> do get a good haircut and they want to support their barber and they post something up. But I, I, you know, I'm always trying to figure out like, what am I trying to gain from this? Who am I trying to impress from this? And I think you and I mm -hmm. are pretty open, honest, like, um, social media is too like if like on this podcast people will hear my struggles of, of what i've been doing on this podcast um but i think there's so many people that it's just a bright and shiny selfie and and then you yeah. see some of those friends that have that flip book selfie where you could literally just like if you stack them on real photos and just browse your thumb through it it's like they would have like very <laughs> minor changes in facial reaction it might be hair and clothing but it's like the same fucking thing and i'm like why I, you're still here that's great like i don't right. want to be gone but like, what's the share and why yeah. should you care? And what's, what's the value behind it? Like, I, I've never been a like, look at me kind of person. And I think that's what it's creating in all of us. And that's, 
that's not really authentic. Like that's not human connection. Being like, look at me, that that's no, that's fucking bullshit. Like that's not how you connect with a person. And for me, like I'm I'm not really even though I've had discussions with some other coaches about like online coaching, like I personally know that that's not really for me. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. To me, unless it's somebody I I already know, I already have a relationship with, like I know that's not my strong point. My strong point is being in person, sitting down, talking to you, like, where is the conversation going to lead? Again, it's that being present. Yeah. It's real important. And again, you know, I had a really good hangout with Jason Kapnick, one of the co-owners of Catalyst yesterday, and we haven't seen each other in a while because we're on opposite schedules and I've been training there. And you know, we were talking about my training business and I, I pulled out my postcards and I showed them and, you know, I told them how I'm basically just like, if I see somebody that looks like they'd be a fit or if they smile at Ramona while I'm walking my dog, <laughs> like, I, I will let them know you've just passed the first character test uh, <laughs> for a personal invite to come train with me. Uh, and I try to make it seem not creepy. Like I think I creeped somebody out. I, I went to get a sandwich at the deli today. Um, and there's a woman that I actually thought was familiar. There, there's a, a, a company called Diaperkind that's a recycled diaper company. And it's actually their location, their original location is one of the first places when, when they were closed, they, they were only open a certain amount of days that I actually taught a class inside. Like I brought my outdoor club in. And uh, I was like, hey, do you work at that place? And she was so caught off guard and she didn't. She worked literally at the building next to it um she was so caught off guard that it was like really awkward and I felt bad like maybe I freaked her out a little bit um but sometimes it's been really nice you know like people are like oh that's cool like yesterday I did it and or two days ago and the woman happened to be in charge of sales for some local Red Hook paper and I was like the Red Hook star I was like oh that's cool like let's let's chat but I would not meet, be meeting those people through social media on your Instagram because I even try to tag locally and I'll reach out to local businesses. But, you know, people post up and they don't know, like, how close that window is of people seeing them. So, like, I put up a post and I'll get likes from, like, all over the fucking world, which is wonderful. But it's not going to add business necessarily to my HKC that's coming up on March 10th at MFF Bowery, everybody. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, but has Shameless no impact on that. Has, has no impact on that at all. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. as trainers, we're caught up like, well, if you're not targeting it, it's going to go to your friends, maybe the gym members that already know you, but it's mostly going to go to your friends. There are going to be other coaches like around the country. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't someone that was actually like really using it that much anyway. Like I don't, I don't post a lot. And so like, Fuck it. I'd rather I'm getting so much more done without, you know, without having that, like you said before, distraction of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really true. I noticed today, and the weird thing is, so today I had it up a little bit because um I was redoing my business page um to make it a little bit more approachable. Uh, just playing around. And I was texting Al Cavallo, like, hey, Al, how do you have your setup? I'm just wondering, blah, 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 we're going back and forth. And it just happened to be up for a while. So I, I started seeing the notifications hit. And I started getting that, like, oh, who, who likes something? <laughs> so, like, social media for me right now, it's great for groups, like our Strength Faction group and the yeah. crew. Um, I love it. I know some people really shit on it for, like, uh, birthdays, engagements, and, and, and sad things. And I actually like it for that. Like, I think it's great. If somebody's really fucking bumming out, like their dog died or a family member, uh, I, I've seen people like be totally angry about Facebook people 
giving condolences. Mm. I think it's cool because it's like at least a way to shout out because it might not be somebody that I'm close enough to um, or that I don't see often, but like, just like, here's a notice that I have noticed you and this thing. Right. I mean, just like a brand random photo. Like I actually read the thing and I'm sorry for you. Are you happy birthday? I wonder how many people don't commit suicide. Like seriously throughout the year, just on that one day, their birthday, they feel lonely. And then they get like, 100 to 400 happy birthdays on social media and you're like oh there are people out there that took the moment to type yeah i mean when i so when i did put that post up about you know my struggles with suppression it was amazing how many people reached out so like with either their own issues or like i i get how you're feeling like i've had that problem too or you know just like to be like you know let me know that they cared, whatever it. So it has, the thing is it's so extreme, right? It's either really, really good or really, really bad. And then I'm not much of an extremist. So, you know, where is that middle ground? Cause it does have such a powerful ability to connect us. Like you mentioned with those groups, but then it does suck you in. Like part of the reason I'd been kind of, I guess I'd been kind of thinking about it for a while. Cause I would be like on the bus on the way home. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit, it's my stop. And I haven't paid attention <laughs> to where I've been for the past 20 minutes. Cause I've just been like everybody else, like sucked into this phone instead of like, I actually like to observe the world around me. You're missing. There are some pretty cool, unique things that happen even on a freaking bus ride that you would never notice because your nose is in your phone. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed how more, much more aware I am of my family when they're around and then when I'm, when I'm out and about. And one of the things I do is like, I'll still play like a video game, like on my phone, like a simple like puzzle type thing. And like, I'm cool with that because at least it's like, a, like there's like a mental tr struggle a little yeah. bit of solving a puzzle or a problem or, you know, coordinating some hand-eye thing. Versus just like reading randomness. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. it, it's unfortunate that it is designed to lack the middle ground. Like it's mm. lump the left together. It's meant to lump the right together and then not see the in-between. And I know for me, the political stuff, I've had like interesting conversations about politics and social media with friends. And folks, I don't care what side of the fence you're on right now. Um, Although if you're supporting that wall, maybe we have to have a talk. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to keep this not political. But uh, I'm actually more concerned with the workers that are like not getting paid right now through all yeah. that. That's fucked. Um, but people, you know, like I would post something so that I know like a, a lot of my friends have a similar relief just to let them know that like I'm there for them and, I, you know, support this aspect of it. Right. And then... I'm also though okay with an educated counterpoint and I want to hear it. You know what I mean? I, I want to be aware, like if you don't out outwardly look for these other sources of information. So someone, I, I put a, a fairly, you know, uh, I, I definitely lean more to the left than the right. But if I live in a, uh, a, a carry state, I would own a gun. Like I just, I think I would, I shouldn't say that outright because I haven't had the option, but like, I'm not like anti-gun in that way. I have my things that I don't think we need, but like, so I'm not like super out there. Um, but, but it's like, like someone, you track, have... someone tracked, who's that dude? I'm forgetting his name. I don't mean to cut you off, but no. Milo, you know, that dude Milo from like, yeah. right. So like, yeah. 
uh, I had heard a podcast with him on Joe Rogan, very popular show, Joe Rogan. A lot of people listen to it. And I, I, I found, obviously, I didn't agree with the guy, but I also, he, he wasn't an uneducated buffoon like people make him out to be. And um, I liked his page just so I could see every now and then what his angle is, right? Because it's never going to show up in my feed. Right. And someone didn't like one of my comments and went back somehow and tracked my likes and threw that back in my face that I had liked this one guy's page. And I, I'm like, well, you know, like, you, you kind of like, so if everybody likes to talk about like Nazis in Germany, and I had family that dealt with that, um, you know, if you didn't keep tabs on Hitler, I'm not calling Milo Hitler even, but if you didn't keep tabs or weren't informed, yeah. um, you, you, you'd have bigger fucking problems than we even ended up with. And I just hated that shit. Yeah. And then my cousin, who is former military, extremely well, you know, has done very well in business, very bright guy, responded pro, you know, our current president uh, about something. And then not only were my friends trying to bash him in a hey buddy way, you know, I got a private message about it. And I'm like, uh, guys, um, I didn't want to put this on the Facebook group, but uh, on, the, on the thread, but, uh, you know, I told this one private message. I'm like, this is my cousin career military for a long term, long time. He was in the military, did very well there and has done very well, successful, successful businesses. And like, yeah, his priorities might be different and he might, you know, perceive things differently, but you can't call him fucking dumb. Right. And he's probably the exact type of person we'd want to hear their point of view on because that is probably that's the same point of view that won the election. Like instead of just being like the fuck you, you're wrong stuff. Um, and I think social media wants us to be fuck you you're wrong overhead swings are fucked they're you're wrong american swings are wrong right russian swings really oddly enough so right <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that was the earliest form of uh R russian hacking russian kettlebells but it i mean like kind of going back to what you're saying it's when you're getting that feed of stuff that's targeted to you you're not getting the other viewpoints that you might actually need Instead, you're just getting this constant confirmation bias, and it's not challenging you in a way, in a, in a respectful, educated way, like you're saying. And that's not helping the conversation, because then you keep thinking, well, I'm right, I'm right, like my worldview is right. And like, it's, it's, it's not about right or wrong. Like, I mean, it, why does it have to be like, going back to the gun thing, you're either anti-gun or pro-gun? Well, how about like, Yo, I, I don't have a problem with people hunting, but you don't need a semi-automatic rifle to do that. And also, it's probably a bad idea because you're going to fuck up your meat. <laughs> like, <laughs> Spitting bullets out left and right. Shredded. It's a good way to get shredded meat without your slow cooker, I guess. But, I mean, balance, right? Like, let's find some yeah. balance. And, yeah. And, right. and, again, it's like, I'm better than you because I think this certain way is that really true? Like you're not, it doesn't make you a smarter person just because you have a different thought process than somebody else. Like realize how narrow our perspectives actually are. It, it's funny too. Cause you know, you're from Long Island. I'm from Long Island being New Yorkers and even, in, you know, in Boston, you know, we come from States that are parts of States at least that are super open-minded overall. Mm. We all have our issues, but we, we, you know, like we like to pretend that, you know, or super intellectual, super creative, super open-minded, and we think that everybody's either like that or wrong. And I remember in the 90s, my big awakening 
coming one of my big awakenings coming from the small town of uh, Levittown, Long Island, the original suburb. Uh, I remember hip hop music was a gr- like uh, was a big eye opener for me in terms of altering perspectives because punk just made sense, metal just made sense. It was like I'm an angry white kid. I get it. Hip hop was huge for me, and I remember like especially coming out of seeing Do the Right Thing on opening weekend and being like. I'm so fucking smart now. <laughs> like I'm so naively. I'm like, I'm like the most, I literally pretty sure my childhood remembers something. I lost my virginity the night before I saw I do the right thing. Like I, think I left the party, went and saw I do the right thing and came back and was like, I'm the most open-minded intellectual. I'm so woke. And my skin's going to clear up now. I was really hoping that was true. Um, but I remember that opened my, myself up and I was like, okay, that, this is probably where like most of us think of. And then there's Garth Brooks, right? And Garth Brooks, who I can't stand his music, although he's got a couple of okay songs, I guess. I don't, I don't hate country music, but at the time, at least, the stuff that I was exposed to, I was like, ugh. Garth Brooks was like the biggest, Garth Brooks is one of the biggest, like fuck Michael Jackson. Garth Brooks is like one of the biggest, if not the biggest musical giants of the United States. It's just in our towns, we're not aware of that, right? So it's is like- Is that true? Yeah. Uh, Garth Brooks is huge. And I give you props, Garth. You just, I think you just blew my mind, Fury, because I'm this, such this an East like Coast girl. Night. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm typing in a Google search, people, if you hear the clickety-clack. So I'm gonna <laughs> how popular is, how big is Garth Brooks? And it's better not tell me his- uh, Yeah. <laughs> he's six foot two <laughs> okay he is worth approximately 310 million Oof. right uh i'm trying to find more info i don't want to bore you but uh <laughs> how why is garth brooks famous is a funny question that comes up <laughs> ouch but yeah like garth brooks at least at the time was huge, huge, and I bet he is still. Who is the richest country singer in 2018? Oh, guys, welcome to Coach Fury Country Podcast. Taylor Swift, even though she's not country. Let's see. Oh, he's not even in the top ten on that. Top ten wealthiest music stars. Kenny Chesney, you win apparently. Anyway. Um, going off that topic, but I just remember there was this perspective of like, how did that happen? Like, I can't relate to like Garth Brooks being a thing, but mm. we're just like this gr- small community, but we think our big cities are big communities. They're really not, you mm. know, like when you look at the States as a whole or the world as a whole. Um, but yeah, I think it's like finding connections. And I do think that's where like, you know, not to go around about to the strength faction mode of things. Like I'm just super grateful that like strength faction as an online community, cause it's what we ultimately start as, um, we're living like us together, you know, mm-hmm. like we've, it was funny. Uh, after I scheduled, we scheduled this follow-up chat second time on KCAL, Kristen Callahan, we haven't even said your name yet. I know. <laughs> second time on <laughs> Cooper was just on two back-to-back episodes. Um, I'm going to be reaching out to big Papa Connolly. Um, he's, I haven't had him on, but like tons of people from strength faction have been on the show and I've learned from all of them. Um, it's funny that some people weren't in Strength Faction and got on the show and then have now later signed up for Strength Faction. Um, so like that stuff I'm grateful for to have the like-minded opinions. But I think, you know, if you don't have that lifeline, 
you're just following whatever sort of trend would be happening in high school in a weird way, trying mm. to get this out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's big in fitness. There's just trying to follow what that looks like it should be a thing versus like actually like trying to own or pursue an idea or an agenda or a mission statement. I know I floundered around. I mean, fuck, I finally, after almost 10 years, eight, eight, eight and a half years of training people, I finally feel like I have a structure and a goal and a plan. Are you saying there's a lot of copycatting theory? <laughs> I think there's too much. Uh, I, I, copycatting, I think there's like, Chris, Kay Cal and I have had these conversations. And <laughs> I've had, a, I've had them. I, I have finally hit a point when I'm teaching a course that yes, I'm covering course material and I'll give credit if somebody else came up with something, but I've also been able to like, I've, I've done these things enough where I have like my own sort of cues or interpretations of certain things where I'm like, holy shit, I finally have some self-ownership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it because a lot of us are doing a lot of the same things. We talked about this, Cooper and I talked about this on the last one too, where a lot of us are just regurgitating what we learned at the latest course. Um, and it's fine to a degree if you put it in your own words or how you've used it or how you've seen it succeed. But if you just verbatim copy something, like what are you bringing to the table other than more imagery? It's Yeah, it's like... Um... What was I reading? I forget, but it's kind of like any great, I mean, I'm going to take it. If you're an artist, painter, musician, writer, dancer, whatever, in the early stages of your career. Yeah. You you're copying people and that's, that's not a bad thing. Like you're trying to figure out your voice and who you are and that's fine. But there comes a time where you have to ask yourself, is this my voice or is this somebody else's? And there's a difference between adopting and adapting and adopting wholesale without putting your own spin on it. Nobody likes that. Like nobody likes to get that. Um, it probably doesn't feel good to do. It's pretty lazy actually. Whereas you're like, it's harder. It is harder to adapt it and use your own voice because when you use your own voice, there's always the fear of rejection and not being good enough and whatever, but, or like, what do I have to add to the conversation? But everyone's voice is unique and different and how you say or spin something, it has the potential to help somebody else in a way that maybe it never connected with them before. You know, there's a, this thing that we talked about it on an episode with Jen, my friend, Jen Bartholomew, and I noticed it at Comic-Con, uh, which is weird to relate this all to fitness, but it makes sense for the show. <laughs> you know, we are stuck in high school in a lot of ways, emotionally, um, and I think in fitness, and just as we're growing up in any job, uh, it's not just that like, whether or not we're trying to find our place within a success chart. I think we're also constantly trying to find our identity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easier to copy somebody almost directly than to make it your own because- yeah fail is in your own voice you're gonna that stings more like if someone doesn't like it you know something that i've put out I, again i have the confidence that i'm not going to appeal to everybody right like folks yeah. there's going to be a reason why this show will never probably hit you know more than six dollars an episode <laughs> well i mean i i agree with you because then i think that goes back to like why i kind of purge social media like you were saying before like oh who liked it and like for me like I don't, I don't fucking care if people like me. Like, I really don't. Like, that is something. 
I never wanted to win any popularity contests and I still don't. And the fact that I was feeling that way about, oh, who liked my posts? Like that made me feel shitty about myself. Yeah. Because like you said, I'm sorry. When you put the work in, like, you know, I I know when you write, you put your time in on that because I, you know, you and I had gone back and forth on a strength faction blog early on. Like when you put your time in, it fucking like, it's, it's like you want it, you want it to mean something to somebody. Yeah, even if it's just one other person. Yeah. Versus the, I'm just going to put my phone on the fucking desk and, and just ramble for a bit so that I have my daily content. Um, that part I that part I struggle with. But I have this weird thing, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I do struggle where I want, I know I'm not for everybody, but I do, part of me wants everyone to like me. And that's really mm. something I really do struggle with and and it it was heightened in my attention actually one of the days in taiwan where we had like a tough day like we just had a tough course day like it was just a lot of work and uh you know people were struggling with some movements and i remember like fuck like you know i can't help them any more than we have like i know that as a teacher and my team we're like doing above and beyond i wonder if they're gonna like me at the end of this i wonder if they're you know think i'm doing a good job or not and I'm open for critical feedback, you know, constructive feedback, but that's something that I struggle with. Um, I think I'm getting over it because now I'm like heightened to more that that trip in particular made me more heightened aware of it. I mean, there's a you don't want to be an asshole. Don't be a dick, but it's impossible to be universally adored. So I strive for it. But people do. See, that's the thing with fitness. Like people are so, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's like that with everybody, but I think trainers just want clients. I don't mm-hmm. want, you know, I want to be able to help anybody that seems like they're going to gel with me and, and, and trust in me to follow the approach. But if our personalities don't line up, I, I hate to say it, I'm going to let the money go. Uh, and, you know, because uh, I don't want to necessarily train it. You know, if somebody's like an asshole, I mean, an actual purpose. Some people are difficult and they're best intent. They're well-intended, but they're just difficult. Sometimes you just need to spend some, some extra love with there to, to sort of crack some ice. But if they're like, like legitimately not good people or they're downers and they're just sucking the life out of me, like I'll let that money go. I'm not going to try to attract that. Yeah. Well, and also the honesty, I think it kind of overlaps with what we were saying about the authenticity and the copying, but I think as an industry, we need to be more honest with people because we're so worried about, will they like me? Um, how do I get them as clients? And, and we're not straight up. We're like, oh yeah, just do the thing that's fun and that makes you feel good. And while that's a piece of the puzzle, what most, the change that most people are looking for are not going, it's not going to come through that thing that makes you feel good all the time. That's not where change comes from. Change, unfortunately, <laughs> comes from things sucking a little bit or horribly sucking i mean it comes from embracing being uncomfortable yes awkward or you know being challenged like you know the 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 human body if we just look at it as an adaptation it has to be stressed to adapt right that that adaptation is fitness right like that is improved fitness and it's not just fitness like it's not it's not going to happen from just walking and it's not going to happen from zumba and it's not going to happen from being on the elliptical you got to lift some fucking weights and you got to push yourself and it's going to be awkward and that and you might feel like you don't know your body and it's it's just what's going to happen yeah it's uh 
That's such a tough one. I, again, like I'm sure this is a really common cliche that trainers get, um, you know, Hey, I'd love to start training with you, but I got to get in shape first. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, but that's like the misguided, like somehow we're judging them. And unfortunately, right. I think that's the negative side of like the fitness model thing. And I don't just mean on social media. I think that's just been historically, Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they expect to be like, they, they, they don't want to feel even shittier about themselves if they're working with somebody that they view as like perfection physically which is maybe why I get people because I'm far from perfection physically. <laughs> um, but like, it is a constant, you know, one of those things. So they start running, which is just, you know, I'm not going to say running is bad for you folks, but you should not run if you are unfit. Like that's actually super hard on the body. Yeah. You it's should, a skill. Some strength, some strength training would do you well if you want to run. And it's but, more exciting. Like actually strength training is actually more accessible to more people than running is. Yeah. And it's, it's great when they could make the turnaround and I just wish, I think there's these things that like, you know, the industry harps on, you know, somebody posted, uh, uh, I don't know the brand, but somebody had an ad with a guy doing a goblet squat and the fucking handle. Like it, it was like how he was holding the handle was all jacked. I don't know if it was, it was double bell squat. The form was kind of jacked. So of course it went and look how shitty the form is, which of course on the comments, other people started talking, you know, sharing old photos and videos of shitty technique and stuff. And, you know, again, most of the people that we're preaching to when we do something like that, and I've done it in the past, we're preaching to the choir. We know uh -huh. that's bad form. So it's like, again, I'm, I'm looking for an emotional high five from whoever laughs at this with me. Um, but like to the outside world, like how about maybe somebody just goes like, Hey, fuck, that's a kettlebell. Maybe that's something I could try. Like, why don't you just, there was a Super Bowl, Super Bowl ad years ago. For, I don't know if it was Fitbit, but somebody did like a, a, a janky swing and everyone got all pissy about it. And I was like, hey, we just had millions of people see a kettlebell maybe for the first time. You know, maybe if we just allow ourselves to be experts in kettlebells. Um, when we train people, they, they, they'll, they'll be like, oh, kettlebells. Like, cool. You do kettlebells? You good at them? Yeah, come here and train here. As opposed to trying to like do this you know, high five or better up. And it's the same thing when, um, you know, I don't think anybody's listening. I'll get in trouble with this, but I think it was either Mike or, or Todd, but someone asked specifically for a great trainer that was like strong first certified. And, uh, someone was, one of the guys was like, well, why does it have to be that? Or how about a great trainer? you know, that happened to be in the neighborhood mm. and like, yeah, there's a baseline where you could say like such and such, but versus saying like, do you know somebody that's really certified in kettlebells? And yeah, there's a frame of reference, but it's just like a limiting fucking factor to try to use that as a ter determiner. A determiner. Is that even a word? Determinant. Determinant. Yes. You know, it's like, uh, it's like when people like get shy about, I'll say, was it your sister who got like weird about talking about strong first with me? Cause I'm an RKC guy at, was that your sister at, at perform better? Um, a couple of years ago. Oh, my cousin, your cousin. That was it. Your cousin. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like I'd love it if people come and take a course with me, but if you've gone through that, great. You went through a great program too. Like we get it. We know how to hard style swing. Like, but there's that, that thing. Yeah. And like it, like, uh, like competing actual factions. But I know, <clears throat> not so great trainers on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah. Same cert, 
different people, different overall experience, different complete training philosophy, different bag of tricks. Um, it's so weird how we lose that. And I think social media is a big yeah. fucking part of that. Um, where, you know, how many times have we seen like a, a, a restoration program or something surge and then go away? Like, it's like everybody's post for like six months. Yeah. And then you don't hear about it much. Yeah, it's weird. And then it's like these weird, because it kind of feels like, well, how else do you know, right? You need some kind of guidance to figure out, is this the right person to help me? And so I think that's one of the benefits of a certification, but there's always going to be ranges of people that are really good at coaching. And then the people who like didn't really put in the effort or they just don't quite get it or whatever. Um, it is a tough thing. And I think that's one of the benefits of like a, a cert like the RKC or the SFG because they are more difficult, more demanding. Um, I guess like, how do you have more of a standard? that because it's kind of this is something i've been thinking a lot about it's it's kind of a fucked up thing in the industry where the people who are actually the majority of people who are really good coaches are making shit money and the people who aren't actually good coaches is so backwards. Like what industry that the people who are actually really good at what they do don't get any payoff for it. And the people who aren't are getting, are making the money like the Instagram stars. And like, I mean, even like in our smaller world, if you work at a commercial gym, chances are you're going to make way more money than somebody who's working at a smaller studio, but their coaching is actually better. And it's so messed up and backwards so i'll i'll flip that a little bit because i agree with that to a big degree i'm going to use myself as an example of this because i've worked at good like two really great mom and pop or pop and pop studios right five points academy <laughs> pop and pop and, uh, <laughs> you know keeler and mark over at uh, mff <laughs> both very groundbreaking in their own different approaches like Five points, got to give them credit for really creating this like background of being like a hub of hard style kettlebell training as like the SFG hub in New York. Um, they got a history in it because they were, you know, that's where I got my start in the RKC before the split happened. And just like really putting out excellent Muay Thai fighters. So they have that in terms of one side of, you know, uh, a true image. And then, you know, you have MFF on the flip side of that as being, you know, the kind of zany place with excellent coaching. Um, and they've sort of, set a, a bar, you know a, a landmark on that and let's be honest like uh naming no names but we know that that's been directly copied um <laughs> and we don't know how long term that will last in terms of like a, a, a competitive thing you know uh imitating thing um i know it, it stings when i see it i tend to be a little bit more vocal about it but i don't even know where this thread was going but in terms of like trying to uh, oh so the pay, the I've, money. I've seen like great coaches, you know, do really poorly. And, you know, I've seen good coaches do really poorly. And I'll say for myself, like, yeah, folks, I'll be honest. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but KCAL and I had a really, KCAL is one of my touchstones. Um, we don't talk enough, but like, 
she's somebody that we check in with each other and have like some, some good heart to hearts. And, uh, you know, there's a, a few months ago where I'm like, I might need to get out of this business. Um, because the class program was going too slow. I had a, a, a gap in my private training and, you know, there's like the way workshop season goes, like you can't, I, I don't crush it all year because I, I, I tried that and I had a great year, but then I, I didn't see my family for a summer. Mm-hmm. So there's gaps where I'm trying to focus on my family and summer for trainers is where people tend to go on vacation. You tend to see people left less. And uh, so I was like, you know, trying to build this new business up and, and all that stuff. And I was like, fuck, you know, eight years in, I'm making less now than I made, you know, uh, at least this month than I did, you know, seven and a half years ago. And then it starts to build. But then with all the social media ego and, and, and people trying to establish expertise, you know, like Kristen said, there could be a great coach or a horrible coach at a local big box gym that just has enough personality or enough or, or, or you know, a low enough body fat percentage that's getting them clients that they're getting through and crushing sessions. Mm-hmm. Now, for me. Or, or good salesmanship. Yeah, good salesmanship, you know, personality, you know, and their training might suck. Like I know. You know, I do, I do online training and I, I will, I know that people that I train will go to their gym and the trainers will be like, holy fuck, right? They'll be shocked by what a lot of the people that I, I have, do, what I have them doing, like uh, Megatron, Megan, Megan Stryker, last program, she was literally doing like loaded reverse lunge to pistol squats, you know, like five per side, smooth, you know, like there's nobody training people that's doing that, you know? So that's badass. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but, but like, you know, that doesn't mean that they're not making the money though. Like those trainers that, you know, aren't programming and you know, mm-hmm. they, they could be crushing what I was doing. That said, a lot of them get caught in this thing of like, wow, they're working like 40 hours a week. Like that's not sustainable trainer life. That is one of the, you know, like there's this thing of like, we can all chase more money too in a, you know, a Gary V hustle way, but I don't want that life. I had it, you know, like I was making when I was working at MFF and teaching courses and doing my online training and and training people outside of there, I felt like I was getting pulled so thin Mm -hmm. that like you said, like my training fell apart. I was tired all the time and I wasn't present for my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I could barely, like maybe that's why Facebook engaged me so much because I felt like I had barely anything left. I wasn't even able to sit through a movie at that point. Like I couldn't get through a movie because I'd fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we're caught up in that flipping from that though, is one of the things, you know, that I've learned from MFF and from strength faction is like, okay, here's how I want my life to struggle. It is that goal of like, uh, to, to run, not struggle to run. <laughs> what do I have to do to put this in place and what sacrifices am I prepared for to make this happen? I think a lot of us, especially the great coaches that might not be having uh, financial success was somewhere we're not advancing ourselves on the pillar. So for me, I know it was financially. I was like, you know, session to session. That was it. You know, month to month on the online thing. Now that I have automatic billing, like, holy shit. Like, that was a game changer for me. Uh, I had to invest in myself a little bit to make that change of like, where, where am I really fucking up? Mm. And then where is it ego? Because like admittedly, you know, I come back from teaching eight courses, you know, in Japan and I'm like, in Asia and I'm like, everybody should be beating on my door for this. I'm like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, like that's a constant mental struggle. Um, don't they realize how amazing I am? Don't they realize that they have this fucking guy with a Godzilla collection? 
I'm right here, people. So I think sometimes part of what trainers do is we get caught chasing sessions. We get overvalued the dollar. Not that money should be not be a thing. We overvalue the dollar and then we burn out because we've just chased it so hard. And then yeah. there's the flip side of that where like I feel like we get in a good facility that doesn't have room for growth mm. you know, um, and potentially false promises. Uh, I just winked. <laughs> I'll be honest. But I think sometimes you don't realize what it is and you know um, what, what you got while you're in it. And then I think some things look fucking wonderful from the outside and then you get in it and you're like, well, it might be wonderful to some, it's just not wonderful for me. And that's hard because you and I have gone through some pretty significant changes since the first episode. Hell yeah. Um, if you go back and listen to episode four, OG. I think so. Holy shit. You're episode 70 right now. That's crazy. Oh my God. Um, you know, Kristen was being very kind of cagey cagey about what was going on in her professional life and she did a tenure uh she did uh, about a little over a year at uh, a well-known gym in boston and has now gone out and is in the process of reevaluating and i'm not going to say that as a positive or negative on the facility or you or anything but i think the important part is that you're reevaluating and i think fear stops a lot of people from making those changes mm-hmm. yeah Dude, have you read the book Unfuck Yourself, Gary no. John Bishop? No, but I probably should. Um, it's a very straightforward book. I actually paused. So I paused off of uh, Rebel Talent. I did get it when you recommended it to me. Oh, I love that book so much. Because um, I wanted to read. I, I ended up hopping on that social media book because it was just such a hot topic. And then just through that, this, this Gary John Bishop book. And he just talks about how like un like nothing good comes from comfortable nothing good comes from settling or security in a way like you can be happy if you're doing something you love and you're financially secure but if you're doing something you're not loving and you're secure like there's a sacrifice right so it's all gauges yeah. of sacrifice to some degree um where i found it both like your rebel talent book the parts that i've gotten through about like you have to you have to be willing to fucking lose it all almost every time in a way to try to find a happy life, but you have to do it in a calculated way, knowing that like, you know, you can't like, you don't want to end up homeless certainly, but you have to be able to evaluate that this is not, this isn't what's, this is not what's working in my life. Mm. This is not going to mm -hmm. change. I have to make the change. And I think a lot of people just fear-based won't make the change. Oh, and I think it kind of also comes from asking yourself questions and asking other people questions. I always say I'm the most annoying toddler because like even when I was coaching people, my, I was always like, why, 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 why? Don't ever give me the answer. That's the way we do it because it's the way it should be done or the way that it's always been done because does that make it right? can we alter that path? Can we maybe, we can always, we can always tweak something. And I mean, to just kind of, yes, it's easy to just put it in a box and not have to think about it. But asking why and asking those hard questions, like that's, 
you're going to have a better life, even though it's, there's, there are going to be moments when it, it really fucking sucks. I, I, I had a moment today. I can, I can comment because you posted it now on social media, but one of, one of my, one of my <laughs> members, one of the Fury crew went through uh, chemo and radiation. He found out while he was here that he had uh, throat cancer and uh, Jesus. literally like right before his wedding and right after the wedding, he, uh, he started going through, you know, treatment and he had the intentions of coming in, but it, it caught up with him, you know, like that stuff's rough. Yep. And I have some experience training people going through it. So I was like, you know, I was very worried about him, but you know, and I would do my check-ins and he would check in and, you know, but he's out now. Like, so he's like the three weeks out now and he started training with me again a week and a half ago and we're taking it slow, obviously. And he's building up. Um, and today he came to class. He was the only one in class for the 1230 and he was doing a rocking pushup. Uh, for those that might not know if you took like an original strength, uh, rocking, rocking back and forth, pulled your knees off the ground and did a push-up that way. So you're sort of almost going more forward and back parallel to the floor as opposed to up and down in a plank. And it's like a reflexive strength move. It's not like a high tension move. And he started doing these so beautifully that I got so fucking overwhelmed that I started crying. Like I literally started tearing up because here's this guy that just went through the fight of his life. You know, he had a good diagnosis from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I saw him like he lost a ton of weight. I know that it was painful and uh, you know, he suffered through it and I, fucking and and that's the why right so mm -hmm. when i need to be reevaluated that's the why now i'm a, this is a fucked up thing this is the weird thing with the podcast where it's conversations like i'm talking about it here but i'm not posting that on social media no you know like i, I just but i think people fucking would and i want to celebrate the guy but i also want to like like have this moment with this other human this connected moment that's ours and this thing um and it was just fucking brilliant. And that's what we should be doing. We're not getting their successes so we can post. We're getting people successes so that they can fucking live a better life so that they can mm -hmm. get stronger, reclaim their strength. You know, whatever that is. Um, hope, right? Like what we all deliver is hope. Hope to be something better than when we stepped in or signed up. That is it. Because if you think it's fat loss, they think it's hope that it'll make them better. If it's muscle gain, it's hope that that somehow is going to change their life. If they're in pain, it's hope that they will not be in pain. If they mm. can't move or uncoordinated, it's hope that they will be in less pain and more coordinated. And most of the time, they don't believe it, that it's possible. Right. Especially when you start training like middle-aged folks, like most of my people, I train a lot of like, you know, I should say all middle-aged, but I train a lot of people in their 30s to later, <laughs> Right where there's already been a lot of trial and error or past victories or more often than not, like a shitload of past failures. Right. right? Yes. And you know, that's what we do, you know, like, and hopefully I think the good coaches sincerely do that. Right. And then the bad coaches find their shady way to do it. Right. Um, or not necessarily. It could be well-intentioned. They just don't have the knowledge base. I of guess like a, that's a great point. There's, yeah. there's not great coaches and then there's shady coaches. I, I'm just, I, yeah. I hate to say it. When I think of like a, a, a shitty coach, there's one person in particular from a gym that I used to work out at um, that was just like hustling for women and hustling for dollars mm -hmm. to, to the point where like, I don't know how uh, he hasn't been publicly, not only me too, but like really kind of like lawsuits mm. um, a couple of times that I was, that I saw stuff. Um but there are just like uninformed and new coaches too, right? Yeah. Not just necessarily new too. Like I, yeah. you know, like 
it's it's when you're making it's easy to stay complacent and to be like well i know this thing so i don't need to keep learning this thing or you know like you took a one day course online and you became a trainer and you've never had to do any real quality continuing education. Like you just keep doing it by doing other online quizzes. Like who's that really helping? Yeah. It's a, I have a hard time relating to some of the online stuff only because I understand like uh, Hankin just released a new program that's just like too big to do as a course. Like it would be like, let's go spend a month together. Uh, <laughs> so I understand that as an online course, like that makes sense. I know for me, I, I so needed, especially starting out hands on in front of people. Oh yeah. Being able to tell me what I'm doing wrong or I'm doing right. Just to have a point of context. Right. And, and sometimes just to feel the right things that are, you know, like, is this my hamstring or is this my lower back? Well, and not only that too, like you going back to what you said earlier about oh wait no you didn't say this sorry that was another conversation <laughs> but like we do we need to see it helps us to see someone else doing it well yeah we are monkeys monkey see monkey do you know like that it, that actually helps it helps you to see somebody doing it well because then you're like what are they doing you're processing it without even realizing it that you know our brains are really powerful things that we don't really quite understand so seeing someone who is really good at it is helpful you're and it's hard to learn that if you just keep watching yourself <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also say like those live courses and again I'm not saying cert chasing which a lot of people do which comes up as a topic here um is is it's where you get to meet people mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's like that is such a an opportunity to meet people that could you just never know when your next best best friend's like coming around the corner yeah that sounds like you ditch your best friends left and right though right like, <laughs> hey you're my new best friend <laughs> Sorry, James Newman. We are no longer buddies. <laughs> so I'm kidding. Uh, James, sending all the love. I'm sorry you won't be out in Boston with me for the uh, workshop. Um, me too. Yeah, you're going to come and hang out though, right? Yeah. No, I'm sorry that he's not going to be there too. Yeah, I was hoping he could make it. Um, but I think that's a missed thing too with any sort of online or in-service only type of education because a lot of gyms now have taken that like once a week in-service thing. I know MFF, great at a BSP, but I think that there's that thing about breaking away from your team and having those other perspectives, whether it's another facility, um, another region, because you know, like what Chris and I caught up on, even though we're both in New York, there's a different trainer mentality to some degree in terms mm -hmm. of team education on Long Island and versus in the city. Um, I noticed that when I went to Kansas, but like you just create these friends that are fucking all over. And I'm a shy dude. I mean, as somebody who's like talking on a public, you know, on a podcast now and has fucking way too many hours of my voice on digital recording <laughs> uh, and travels and teaches or taught in tights and, you know, shorty shorts or whatever at MFF. Like I'm by nature a shy dude. Really? And, uh, I guess you'd say I'm one of those introverted introvert extroverts, but I don't even know where I was going with that. I'm like um, emotional on this one. I don't know if no one would ever describe me as shy. <laughs> no, you're not. And that's one of the things that I love, love about you. You will just fucking call it out. I sent a text when we were all out the other night. 
Uh, Chris Cooper and I, <laughs> folks, had talked about how we were out for dinner with a strength faction drink. Uh, <laughs> and Cal was in there, and I sent this text about like a topic. She's like, "That makes no fucking sense." <laughs> I was like, "I think it does." <laughs> and then we ended up on on the murder bus. <laughs> <laughs> We made it out alive. We made it out alive. We had a strength faction meetup because KCAL was in town and we went to Stout, in, uh, which is a big bar over on 33rd Street? 30, yeah. 33rd Street. 33rd. And as we got out, there was a guy who had a party van and he was trying to, he was offering free drinks to people to take photos inside the van. And of course, we're like, oh, there's free drinks. And on, a, on one side, that's like a brilliant social media thing. Like, just oh, yeah. One, one stop, get a bunch of new faces. And uh, so, of course, we were like, hey, it's the murder van. And as we walked in, and I think I might have been the first or second to go to the back, there was like a <laughs> movie playing where someone got stabbed in the neck with a pair of scissors. And we made him keep the door open. <laughs> I, my, my thought process was legitimately like, well, you know, if something happens, at least I'm with these guys. And also, I'm pretty sure that we can take them. So... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had a strong crew with us. Uh, so and then, not worried. Uh, so that was interesting. That that picture was there. <laughs> but you know, just having those interactions and being able to meet up, like like you know, Kirk's a good example. Like you know, Kirk's local, and I would just like, hey, we're gonna have a films of fury thing. We're gonna go see a movie, and Kirk would show up. You know, yeah. it wasn't even a strength faction thing. Like Kirk's just a good person like that. Um, and I think you meet that at people, but that is part of breaking out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um but i i do wish there was a way and, and and right now and i don't want this to sound like another ad for strength faction but the closest i can see to a group that whether we nail it all the time or not is really there to help fill in those blanks those restructuring things those bolstering of weaknesses um trying to offer a different opinion how like i you know what i learned from you when we talk I just think that is the best group I see out there. And I, I see that, I see people that do seem to do well or like to represent that they do well going to bigger masterminds. Mm. A lot of that shit I see is like plug and play or copycat mm -hmm. you know? or a lot of false ego, you know, as opposed to like real results. And that's not across the board, but I've seen some shit with, you know, people that I know are paying fucking thousands upon thousands of dollars a year as part of a, some sort of, you know, high-end mastermind. And they have like a pretty decent business, but that's also in re relation to where do you live? What's your expenses? What's your overhead? You know, like all of those things come into play. Um, versus like in strength faction, I feel like we all give our, ourselves like the real deal on that. Yeah. Most I mean of us, at least the vets do. <laughs> well, most of us. Anyway, like I know as part of this BNI group, Business Networking International. And, you know, you basically you go in a room and there's one member of each field. Like you can't compete with somebody. Mm. And, you know, I remember one of my favorite moments was like somebody who I thought, you know, seemed to be doing exceptionally well um, with their own business. Sort of like we had a one-to-one -one meeting and it was like, oh no, suffering. Like I'm still in it too. Like, you know, it's a new business. And I think fitness is a weird one because we all have this capability of being entrepreneurs in a higher level than most businesses. Mm. You know, you start training people in your kitchen, you're an entre fitness entrepreneur. Um, it's kind of blows my mind to think that like I'm a fitness, I own my own fitness business. 
for, for whatever that is, that's the weirdness of my life here at Fury Industries, but it's like mine. I haven't mm. been staff employed by a gym in almost March will be May, March, March will be two years. March. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That's fucking crazy. And here I am. Here we are, 66 episodes. Everybody, did you hear the stall in me having to figure out the math? 70 <laughs> minus four. You know the old joke about trainers not being able to count. <laughs> Only up to 10, right? But yeah. Two more. <laughs> Two more. Uh, um, I need to eat. We've been on for a while. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, hmm. We could let the awkward silence go on, but we can't because this is like radio essentially. And that's, you know, <laughs> not what you do. It's not what one does. No, I think I, for me, admittedly listeners, like Kristen and when I was asked, Hey, okay, come back on. Like we haven't talked in a while and, and, and a lot's gone on. And uh, she was like, yeah, you know, a little reluctant, but I'll go for it. Again, <laughs> twist your arm or anything. And we weren't sure where this one was going to go. And that's one of the things about the show when people want to come on and they ask like, so what's the structure and, 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 you know, are, are there a list of questions? It's like, that's not how this, this isn't that show. This is like a conversation with me and, and my friends. And I want to say that if I think, this show, our episode right now, if I were a listener, uh, if I could speak directly to the listeners, which clearly I am because they're, if you're hearing me, you're, 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 thank you for being here, is just uh, know that like the struggles are real and whatever false impression you might see, whether it's social media or fancy gym that somebody's a part of, uh, there is always an element of smoke and mirrors to some degree. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing the behind the scenes, even when it runs really well, like I'll, you know, um, you know, like if we take even Todd Bumgarner, for example, right? Todd's not going to mind me saying this, but like, you know, they have their business run very well. You know what I mean? Like, like VSP Nova is, could be, you know, I guess in some ways you would say strength faction is a sort of mastermind, but they have their systems and in, in place and they're two fucking really smart dudes. But even Todd, you know, is saying he's just got so much on his plate, you know? Um, we, we all have areas where we could try to like, uh, help each other out in or pick it up. So if you're feeling this uh, and, and it relates to you in any way, um, just know that, that that's real. And sometimes you're gonna have to make like a hard choice, but you have to like, if it's the right choice, if it's a long-term choice, if it's a temporary choice, um, bless you. That wasn't KCAL. That's <laughs> But, but just know that like we're, we're, we're sort of all in this. Like I'd say more people I know as coaches are struggling to some degree, unless there's, this can sound shitty, there's a spouse or family member that's more well off. Yep. That financial pressure's off. A lot of people are in that position, trainers mm -hmm. of the world out there that are flying solo right now. Um, or they happen to have, uh, you know, I, I admittedly, I luck out to this to some degree, uh, a big enough space where they train at home. Like it's a great fucking option. I really wish this was like a garage or something where it was like an exterior thing. Like the home here brings some pluses and brings some minuses. Cause you know, again, talk about the murder van, come up into my apartment. Yeah, murder, murder training studio. Yeah. Murdering. There you go. Fury. Just start luring people with free shots. Ugh, fitness. <laughs> um, 
But that said, right, like I, I figured out over the course, it's taken me almost a year of this class program. Uh, next month will be a year of the class program. It took me almost a year to figure almost a year to figure out that I should be doing class this year. It took me a year to figure out how to market it. And, uh, mm. you know, people on the other episodes have heard that, but like I, social media is not how I'm going to do it. Uh, I did update my Yelp photos, uh, and in time to catch that, like apparently 14 previous Yelp reviews that were acceptable were now not recommended because I know that floats in and out. But, and of course I put up enough pictures that I get a call from Yelp every day wanting me to advertise. Um, but I'm going to get it from meeting people on the street and from the work I do with the people in this room. I'm going to meet it. Like if I'm open to somebody at a bar, at a restaurant, at the coffee shop, I just say, Hey, um, if I find that opportunity, that's how I'm going to connect them to my place. And if I give out 50 postcards and it brings me one perfect member of this Fury crew, I'm fucking lucky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so uh, just know like, but you have to be willing to actually be like to break that mold if it's just not working. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just yeah. say like, fuck it. It's just not working. Well, what can we change? Cause part of it's going to be situational and a lot of it's going to be us. Even if it is situational, the next step is us. Right. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about before of like adapting versus adopting like, okay, this, this isn't working for me anymore, or this aspect of it isn't working for me anymore. So what can I, what can I add? What can I take away? And I just lost my train of thought. Um, but it's a, a, for me, like, I think it's what we do is such a weird thing. Cause I think in so many ways, it's like, we know these secrets, right? Like I know this, I know these secrets too, how to move better, how to feel better, how to do actual habit change. And then we're trying, we're kind of giving them to people or guiding people to them. And yet like, and this, this might sound really pessimistic, but what are we getting out of it? Oh, I don't know. I feel like I, I mean, uh, I will say in a very altruistic, altruistic way, I live for the moment of seeing someone's success. Like 100%. I love breaking that, that chain, whatever that might be, whether it's actual a physical limitation or mental limitation, I just love it. And I also really love when I get to see the people interacting with each other in a class environment, like there's mm -hmm. a different relationship in a one-to-one. -one. I don't have room to do like a true semi-private, like two or three on one, really. Um, I do it occasionally, but I love that. Like when they, they start to interact and you're like, whatever random experience or referral has brought you here. Now you're connected to, I mm. love that. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. as a financial thing, I do view this as one of the best DIY punk rock careers you can have because literally you could live in a car and train people at a park. You can do it in your living room. Don't give me any ideas. No, I'm serious though. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I, uh, you know, if I lived in an all year round or you, you lived in an all year round, like I don't know how people do outdoor boot camps all year. I, I don't want to personally, I don't even want to be out in the cold for that. No, but you can like, I'm not saying just go randomly start training people, but if you're into fitness and you want to like learn, you could take a couple of courses, take us, take a certification and start training some friends. And maybe you 
don't value it or maybe it's your neighborhood, but maybe you get $20 an hour. Well, how long would it take you to get $20 an hour working at like a McDonald's or at a Gap or something? Is Gap even still open? Gap still exists, right? Gap still exists. Gap yeah. still exists. Sorry, Gap. Um, I worked at a Gap for two weeks. The Gap. Yeah, at Roosevelt Field Mall. Oh. Yeah, the fancy mall. Oh, the nice mall. Hi, thank you for coming to the Gap. Is there anything I can help you with? <laughs> folds, 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 folds. Hi, thank you for coming to the Gap. And I'm I worked, a browser. Like, leave me alone. I'm a browser. I, I, I hate yeah. Oh God, same. I worked at Eddie Bauer in the in the Sunrise Mall, and I had uh, I worked at the Dirt Mall, and I had <laughs> my my. I remember my manager. She had like a real true Long Island accent. She was always like, "Go help the customer." <laughs> <laughs> Like, I hate when people talk to me when I come in a store. I know. I, I'll say hi now, like, hey. But if I'm just, like, looking at something, I'll get you if I need it. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, do you have my size? And they usually say no. Um, but, uh, you know, I just think so. So, but so I, I do think fitness allows us to have that freedom. You know, like, I'm my own boss. I can mm-hmm. make a really, you know, especially on a one-on-one, I can make a good hourly rate. It's just the struggle, obviously, is just getting enough people that that hourly rate adds up to enough. To, to have a sustainable living, especially, you know, the, 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 the sort of messed up part is living in Brooklyn is this neighborhood so expensive that my overhead's so high and I got child support and stuff with the kids. Like our, you know, mm-hmm. the overhead is high, you know, whereas if I were to move somewhere else a little lower cost of income, my, my eight to 12 online clients would almost cover almost all of my bills, Mm -hmm. you know, and then this would all be gravy money floating on a sea of gravy. That's gross. That actually just Mm -hmm. made me a little sick to my stomach. The idea of floating on a sea of gravy. Except now I really want poutine. (laughs) I've never had it. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Gravy Um, on French fries with cheese. How can you go wrong? Isn't that what they would call Long Island, though, disco fries? I don't know. Disco fries, I'm pretty sure, were that. It's really? Like, yeah, I think so. I think that's just like gravy and cheese on fries. I thought poutine was something like... Uh, it's cheese curds, technically. Bleh, yeah, you lost me at cheese curds. Disco fries is just straight potato fries. Cheese curds just sounds gross. I don't like the word curd. It's like curdled, like curdled milk. Yeah, I know. That's what it is. I mean, yeah, it's, hang-ups. it's the leftover process of the cheese making. It's the De- Danny DeVito of twins. If you've seen the movie Twins, <laughs> all the good stuff went to Arnold. And all the bad stuff went to Danny DeVito. It's like, hey, not all bad. Like white chocolate is the leftovers of the chocolate making process. Grappa is, is the, yes. Grappa is the leftovers of the wine making process. So, you know, not, it's not all bad things. Interesting. Uh, kicking this back in for the finish. What do you think is the, why you do it? Why, why, why we're in fitness? Oh, Jesus. Um, I think there's so, I've gotten so many benefits out of it for myself personally. For me, one of the biggest, one of the biggest reasons I lift weights and I work out are for mental health reasons. And it's sort of like a, so like to give those to other people or to, you know, like you were saying before, we come up with all these, this bullshit of all of our past failures and like sort of start to define ourselves by those things. 
And then to realize, to learn that actually, no, I can change that. The lessons that you can learn. I was actually, actually talking about my cousin earlier. We were on, we went down to Jersey for a family holiday and we had two nice long car trips where we were talking about is there's so much we've learned in the, in the weight room that comes out of the weight room. Like, you know, it's not, it's a mental, for lack of a better word, a mental toughness, a resiliency, a confidence builder. And just like anything, as long as it's not taken too far to an extreme, but I mean, and especially in the context of being a woman, like, when you, it, that's why, one of the reasons why, why heavy strength training is so beneficial. And it goes, it goes for men too. Like if, when you do something you've never done before, but for me, especially like deadlifting, you pull a freaking heavy ass weight off the floor. You literally feel like you can run through a wall and that there is no obstacle that you cannot overcome. And giving that gift to other people, helping them see that about themselves and redefining themselves. I think that's, it's pretty goddamn magical and spectacular. Um, yeah. Amen, sister. <laughs> that is what it is. We're, uh, you know, for most of us, I think, especially you and I, as this, this was like a second career thing, it, it's like we see a change in ourselves and, 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 and the opportunity to share that. And, yeah. And then, you know, the, the making a business out of that is hard. But yeah. that, that core gut instinct to share, you know, if we were to go into Stephen Pressfield land, anything that's trying to get in our way of that would be the resistance because there's that calling to do that. And the one thing I'll say is like, I feel, I still feel that the only times I feel like faltering was like when I was so slow that I'm like ready to get out, the, you know, like I might have to, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. there is a reality folks. Like you can't like, at some point you have to make sure you have rent money and stuff like that but and it's heartbreaking to have those moments I mean I feel like maybe that it's kind of I mean if I'm honest that's kind of where I'm at right now is like I don't I don't I don't really want to leave but at the same time like if I'm not doing a good enough job of taking care of myself and I'm burning myself out taking care of other people is it maybe I just can't do it full time. Maybe that's too much for me. I don't, I don't really know the answer to be honest, but even thinking like thinking about it is like thinking about leaving. It's, it's a heart, it's heartbreaking. I think, you know, trying out different approaches. I don't think you're going to be able to answer yourself and be like, that was the one, like maybe it's five hours a week of training and then another gig. I think you're going to have to like play around with that and see how it feels. There's yeah. going to be a, 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 not only a success rate or not financially, but there's also going to be that emotional rate, you know, mm. that, that, that mm -hmm. comes with it. And similar to how, you know, like a, the business model I had when I left MFF has changed so dramatically over the last two years. Um, that I kind of wish I could go back and whisper in my ear a little bit. But, you know, I learned from, you know, I hate to say it. I learned more from my failures than my successes. And that's really what it always comes down to. And that's what, like, you know, when I mentioned the book on fuck yourself by Gary John Bishop or uh, Pressfield or anybody really in business, you learn more from your failure failures. Mm -hmm. 
from your your wins because the wins just too fucking easy and if things come easy for people like it's easy to like be like ah you know uh, we don't appreciate it you, you don't and you don't learn from it the same way or in the same depth um, right that you do when you when you failed at something and, and come back at it and, well it's also that mental like i think that's something that that weightlifting helps with is that mental like okay i fucked this up today but that doesn't define me as a lifter you know like I had a friend who has never failed a bench and I was like, no, you need to fail your bench because you need to know what that feels like. You need to, <laughs> and you need to know how to get out of it when you do. <laughs> but yeah, those moments suck, but you grow from them so much more than like you said, if it was, if the path was always easy. You know, one of the takeaways I got from this book and it related because I actually do this sometimes. Sometimes when I travel, I get real scared, like just about like, oh my gosh, like what if I get sick? What if I get hurt? I'm supposed to be demoing and teaching in front of groups of people. Like there's been months and months and months and thousands of dollars invested in this. People have been training. Like I get this. And it's just like, you know what? You're going to get through it. You're just going to do mm -hmm. it because you can do it. And you have to look at your past failures and your past successes. And the problem is, I think we have, as, as people in general, have a hard time looking at their successes or how they got, uh, and by success, I don't mean like they haven't failed, but how they've recovered from things. Like, I okay. guess resiliency would be a better thing. And you look down your line of your life of like the hard times and how you're still here and you're still fucking doing it. Um, but it's so easy to forget that and to not learn from that confidence of like all of this other stuff. And I still have this moment. So we just, uh, reorganize the, the 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 personal training area here at the apartment you know which is kim and i's office and it just looks so fucking cool right now and i'm like i can't believe this is in my apartment and and listeners like you know seven years ago i was kind of homeless like i wasn't living on the street but you know when when my marriage ended like you know i was couch surfing i i, I was renting in like you know one bedroom that was kind of like a storage room um you know, like I was traveling back and forth to Long Island, sort of living at home half the time. Like, you know, I went through it. Um, and I have to remind myself, I had that moment of like, I, I don't put that, that gratitude or that, that growth in a perspective of how far I've come. So instead of like mm -hmm. going to Tokyo and teaching and coming back and be like, well, where is everybody? Just remembering to be like, I got to go to fucking Tokyo. Yeah. You know, and I think we do that no matter what it is. I think we do that to ourselves. And the interesting thing on that book is, you know, just using that as a benchmark for future challenge, future risk, but also future success. Hmm. Awkward silence number two. <laughs> I love them, but I am always the first one to break them. Um, I broke that one. You did. I, while you were talking, it was just also reminding me, one of the things that she talks about in that book, Rebel Talent, is uh, Sully Sullenberger who landed the plane in the Hudson for anyone who might not remember. And one of the great things that he did, why he was so uniquely situated to be the perfect per, I mean, to be the perfect person in that cockpit for that situation is that after every flight, he always asked himself, what did I learn from this? Even if it, he never looked at anything as a routine. It was, mm -hmm. it might've been a routine flight, but everyone was like, what did I learn from this? And I think 
viewing it that way instead of like, is it a failure? It's no, it's <laughs> a learning opportunity and like to not let ourselves be defined negatively by it if we can help it. True. Well said. Well said. Hey, K Cal. <laughs> you tell the listeners to die mighty. Die mighty. Uh, I would say share your social media stuff if you want, but you're on a purge. So I don't know <laughs> if this is the best time. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to share? What's coming up? Following anything? You can say uh, What? You can say no. I mean, you know, I'm in this weird spot right now. So I don't know, but. You're not going to be in it forever, though. Yeah, I know. I'm. It's not a bad place. It's just a place. And uh, yeah. I don't know if anyone has any comments, suggestions. I mean, I'm checking, I can check Facebook Messenger. I'm, you can send me an email. <laughs> I'll post this in smoke signals, ravens. Smoke all signals. Are, all are accepted. Um, <laughs> I think you're actually, I, I'm, you know, we had a chat about, you know, a, a good chat about where you're at right now. And I think it's a, it's a, a very beneficial step for you. Um, I think you'll come out however it ends up. It's going to be better for the better. Oh, I, I, ow, sorry. My cat's sitting on my shoulder and she just scratched me. Um, I, I 100% agree. So. Awesome. Well, I love you. Thank you for coming love on the you. show. Episode 70. Woohoo! My Maybe pleasure. We'll have to make every 66 episodes. What <laughs> a your number. Want to be on episode 666. Gosh, imagine if I get to that many. I mean, yeah. I did notice there's this thing where I, uh, some of the podcasts that I had been on and some of the shows that I've listened to are no longer making episodes. Mm. And I feel like if I cross 100, it'll be a nice fucking goal. Not that I'm far. Not stopping uh, at all, actually. But um, sometimes you don't realize the show ends. Um, and then you're like, oh, wait, I haven't got an update. <laughs> You think it's been a week, but it's been like nine months. <laughs> Maybe I was part of the problem. Anyway, thank you for coming on. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Um, check back episode four, too, if you want to follow up and see the growth. Um, and uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, love and support you guys. I hope this helps. Um, I sometimes think it's good to hear that it's not all shiny uh, fitness inspiration, uh, like social media like you to do, or that we're all just fucking brilliant at teaching you how to do movements via a camera phone um just try to be good trainers let's all just focus on that and then the other stuff will come it really will uh unless you want to be a bikini model or like one of i don't know what you call the dude you call like a there's a bikini model is there a dude version of that thong model oh speedo model speedo model catalog model. model I don't know. You know what I'm saying, folks. Anyway, that was enough of a ramble. <laughs> Later. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.